Christmas time, we think about the gift of Jesus, the gift of the baby, the gift of Jesus. What a great gift he is. <clears throat> and he is. But this gift of Jesus, we would have no idea about. We'd have no knowledge, no awareness if we didn't have the gift from God that is our Bible. Everything that we know that is true about God, everything we know that is true about that baby, everything we know that is true about what he's done for us, we find in this book that God has protected and preserved for thousands of years. This, this gift, this is a huge gift. And it's a gift we quickly forget. I've got these piled around my house. I've got one of these under the couch at my house right now. This great gift, our Bible, men and women have died so we could have this in our hands. God has preserved this book for us so we might find him day after day after day, year after year after year. And today, we get to be led by our uh, wise church leaders. They're wise because they say, love this book. So today, they have planned for us to spend some time focusing on the goodness of this book. Let me read to you from 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What a gift we have, and we hope to stir you to be encouraged in enjoying this gift as we move into the new year. Friendship Church. Good morning to those of you online watching. We're glad you're there and we haven't forgotten about you. Thanks for joining in and we encourage you to join in on the chat in the chat room. Well, this morning's exciting day. It's called Bible Reading Sunday. In other words, we want to encourage you to read your Bibles. Isn't that a good encouragement? Let's take some time to pray before we open God's word and, and begin. Jesus, thank you so much for this time. We do thank you. As Thomas said, your word is a treasure. It is a gift breathed out by you. It's a book like no other, and we treasure it, God. And we ask you, make our hearts able to receive it 
in a deeper way today and into this year. May we treasure your counsel and your word above all else and not trust in man in whom there's no salvation, God, but we look not to ourselves, but we fix our eyes on you this morning and we say we will love your word through trial and temptation and persecution. We will stand on the firm foundation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen, and I hope you noticed there are lots of sweet little children around in our midst this morning. This is a family service, and we want to engage as a family this morning. Kiddos, don't forget about the bag. There are many fun things and tasty, maybe even tasty things in this bag. And we also have, as you know, this paper that has pictures you can circle when you hear or see them, and scriptures that you can fill in the blank as we read them, and objects you can pull out of your bag and be with us this whole morning. Well, we had a dad read this morning, and we had a dad read at first service and this service. And what we want to encourage is fathers, commit to reading weekly, at least weekly with your family, the scriptures. Open up a passage, read it, and have a discussion, and pray through it. Encourage you just to start with a time uh, set apart each week to meet with your children and open the scriptures. Guys, statistics are staggering. The impact of a father. 85% of children whose parents, whose dad, I should say, went to church with them will go to church as an adult. And the same statistics go this way. When it's only a mother in the house, 15% of children go to church when it's just the mom. The dad impact is out of this world. I want to encourage you fathers to take that call this year and understand the impact of your kids. As imperfect and as flawed as you may feel you are, you are their dad. And God has equipped you to lead them in the way. So I encourage you, take it up again. Take that torch up again of fatherhood this year and lead your family weekly in the word of God. Another staggering stack and even more important than going to church is getting people to read the word of God consistently. The Logos Bible software put out a survey and what they found is that like 70-ish percent of people read their Bible twice or less a week. And maybe another 20-some read it three times a week. And a very small percentage read it four or more a week. And what they've done in their research and realized when we can practically understand and ascertain ourselves is that unless you're reading your Bible four or more times a week, the impact it has in renewing your mind is not nearly as much. It takes getting the word continually and consistently before your mind that stirs your affections for the Lord, that directs your path in the way, that gives you the ammo that you need to fight the cultural expectations. And they're very deceiving. Our cultural expectations that are put on us can come across as good morals or as a good Christian thing to do or you know, cultural expectations of giving your time to this, making sure your kids have all this experience. There's so many things and it's cloaked in deception because they're good things we're talking about. But what happens is 
the cultural expectations get translated into our godly expectations. So until the word of God becomes higher and more honorable and given more time in our life, we're not able to fight off those cultural expectations that deceive us in giving our time to things that don't build up and renew our mind and don't get our children seeing it lived out before their eyes. It's so important. It's so crucial. It's so critical. Honestly, a lot of us, <laughs> a lot of us probably have to, whoops, sorry, there it is. It's already there for me. Clean off our Bibles, right? They might be dusty and on the shelf. We want our Bibles to look used and worn, but not dusty. We want them to have tears and coffee stains on the pages. We want them to be written in and marked up and used and not dusty. And I want to encourage you this year, as you start 2021, clean off that Bible. It's not meant to be a decoration. It's meant to be read and read as a family. We're going to have a 90-day, there's that noise, it's already going, that 90-day Bible reading plan. If you didn't see it, it's out on the table, printed off. If there's not enough, we will print more. You can download it on our website, front slash Bible, I believe it is. And there's going to be a version app for those of you that don't want this antiquated old school paper. You can download it online uh, or you can watch on, you can read your Bible, sorry, on the version app. And the beauty of the app is that there's a uh, selection for accountability. So if you have three, four people reading, together you can commit and then keep each other accountable to consistently reading the word in the version app. So we're going to go through the Gospels for 90 days, which starts the 1st of January through to Easter time. So I encourage you to engage in the Gospels with us and do this 90-day plan as well as set a timer in your phone and Get your kids, your family ready to uh, read consistently. Remind yourself for your own personal time. How many of you, when you think of the Word of God, you might feel like a little intimidated? I mean, how many books have 66 books in them with 40 different authors written over 1,500 years with all kinds of different literary genres to understand to grasp a context, list and list of long names that we can't pronounce, and strange occurrences that baffle our minds. And at the same time, beauty and strength we draw from these pages because they have things that strike our hearts like nothing else. But the scriptures can be profound and intimidating to approach. This is a common challenge for many. And it takes time and patience to sit before God and, and learn and, and find people that can help us treasure and understand the scriptures. But it can be intimidating. How many would read the scripture or approach the scriptures and think, I'm excited. I'm just excited to open these pages and, and dig into them. Some of us might be thinking, yeah, there was a day but my, my passion, my zeal has been crowded out. I've been offended with people or whatever kinds of issues have really closed off your heart. You might say, there was a day where I was excited, but I'm not so excited right now. You may have a lot of questions, a lot of challenges that prevent you from having that excitement 
to be in the Word of God. Some of you might think it is hard to understand, and you've never really been able to understand it. That might be the expressions of especially some younger people in the room. Maybe they haven't had uh, the opportunity to understand it, and they, they want to. Or maybe you've never grown up in church or uh, had exposure to the Word of God in a, in a way where you, you can understand it. And, and of course, you know, very practically, we all need some kind of help. We need each other. We need to come together with one another to understand and interpret and read the scriptures publicly together. That's one of the reasons why we have somebody reading the scriptures. We're going to have more public reading of the scriptures, give people more opportunity to step out and experience that. It's an important thing to engage in. It was a common thing in the first century because many were illiterate and many didn't have a copy of the scriptures. So public reading became a normal thing. And there's great benefit to publicly reading the scriptures together. There's something about hearing them together that helps us to understand them. So, kiddos, don't forget about your bags. Don't forget. And families, people, individuals, don't forget. Set your alarm. Maybe not 6.30 a.m., maybe it's 10 p.m. for some of you to remind you to not go on your phone, but rather go on your Bible, or not watch a movie, but go into your Bible, whatever it takes to find that space in your life where you're getting consistently into the Word of God. And, and fathers, maybe set your phone for 12.30 or 1 p.m. in the afternoon on Sundays and designate it as family Bible reading time. Set your phone, use the timer, use the technology that you have, and, and uh, it can help you remember. So, the scripture this morning that we were reading out of is 2 Timothy 3, as Thomas read. 2 Timothy 3, and just the first two verses is what we're going to start with here. It says, but as for you, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Notice the beginning of the sentence says, but as for you. So there's a reason that Paul is looking at Timothy, his young disciple in the faith, young as in, at this time, 40 years old. That's still young, by the way. Some of you might not realize that, but 40 is pretty young. And Paul was about 70 when he wrote this letter to Timothy. And that's still pretty young. So, youth lasts longer than we think. But as for you, is Paul saying in contrast to what I just said? So it's important for us to understand what Paul had just said. He had just said in the beginning of the chapter, in the last days, perilous or difficult times will come. Why? Because people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, disobedient to parents, not willing to reconcile indifferences, all those kinds of things. And then it says the church, unfortunately, in a lot of places will have a form or an outward appearance of godliness, but not have the power to live it out. Form of godliness, but no power. And Paul goes on to say there'll be teachers who will be ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, and they'll pass that deception on to others. But you, Timothy, but as for you, continue. Continue what you've learned and have firmly believed. 
That's a passive verb, that word firmly believed. In other words, it was passed on from Timothy's grandmother and mother. If you look in 2 Timothy 1.5, it says that the sincere faith that was in Timothy's grandmother and mother, and is also in you, Timothy, Paul encourages Timothy with, which I know is in you, right? So when he's saying, from whom you believe, he's referencing grandmother and mother. And it's a passive verb. In other words, it was passed on from them by example and orally from their mouth. It was passed on to Timothy. They taught him the scriptures. Timothy was born around 17 AD, and he was taught the Old Testament scriptures before Jesus' ministry by mom and grandma. So that's when he was alive, and Timothy was likely around 16 years old when Paul first met him in 33 AD, within a few years of Jesus' death and resurrection. When Timothy was 21, he went on his first missionary journey with Paul and Silas. And now he's 40, and Paul is writing to him as a 70-year-old man about his shepherding in the, the city of Ephesus, a big church, a mature, growing church. And so he's exhorting Timothy uh, to remain faithful to the word of God and not get swayed by the things that are happening around him and even the the love of self. We really are living in fierce times. Fierce is the best way to translate the difficult times that I referenced in 2 Timothy 3.1 because that word only comes up twice in the New Testament, the Greek word. It comes up here And the comparison is, it comes up in the chapter where the demoniac named Legion is fiercely breaking chains and gashing himself with rocks. That kind of fierceness is the comparison of the word of the fierce times we live in because of the love of self. The only thing that's going to cut out that love of self is the word of God and it being treasured and taken into the deep places. Like David said when he repented, I want wisdom and truth in the inner deep place. David knew how to return to the Lord in repentance, and the word of God is all about returning to a wholehearted devotion to God again and again and again when we come up short. So, firmly believed. Timothy firmly believed, and it was modeled and passed on by his grandmother. You know, There's a family in our midst, the Andersons. That's the family that I thought of, Cecil and Virgie. And you got the Rylanders connected to them, which connects them to uh, Amanda Powell and the the Powells and Gary and Ruth. And you got Josh and Kareen and Conrad and all these generations. This is the ideal, is that that many generations would have a love for God and his word and pass it on. It's a beautiful heritage to look at the Andersons and, and make that connection. My own mother-in-law is here. What a joy for her to be here, to know she loves the Lord and loves to pass that on to my children, her grandchildren. There's a power in a community of family that connects one generation to the next, to the next, to the next. And that's so important that we remain a church that is family, Bible-based family building. And it's, in a sense, we need to renew that again and remember that's who we are as Friendship Church. We're a Bible-based family-building community, the whole of the counsel of the Word of God, believing everything to be true and, and from God. Timothy himself probably either had a distant father or an absent father. 
he was a Greek, and his mother was, was Jewish, and his grandmother. Uh, we see that in Acts 16 when Paul circumcised him because his mother was Jewish. We hear nothing of Paul saying, your father raised you in the faith. Likely, he was either passive and not a believer or even absent. So those of you in the room that think, well, I don't have a mom and a dad or a sister or brother or a family that loves God, I encourage you, seek out a mentor here at Friendship Church to walk you through. And fathers uh, who maybe don't have children of their own or maybe you, you just want to reach out and, and go and serve someone else in this matter. You want to find out who needs a mentor. That's an important thing. Families look in all different shapes and ways and in our brokenness and our, in our, um, wherever we're at in life. But the, whole, the most important thing is, is that the word of God is what mends. Yes, the ideal is a whole family passing on the scriptures. But when it's not, God still has redemption. And it happens through the body of Christ. And it happens through rebudgeting our time so we have time to mentor and instill into young ones that don't have that benefit at home. So what's important to understand is the family unit as Israelites that Timothy was familiar with would have had one of these things on their door. It's called a mezuzah. And the word means doorpost because that's where it was kept. And some of you type A personalities are looking at that thing and they're going, that thing is an eyesore. Why isn't up straight, upright, up and down or diagonally straight? Why didn't they put a level on that thing and make sure it was precise? Well, it was intentional because it was to represent the swirl and chaos outside of the home upon entering the home. Remembering that outside in the world, there's difficulty and challenge and chaos, but in the home, there's peace and there's a safe haven. And they would kiss this thing upon entering, recognizing that the word of God, the commands of God were sweet as honey. This was a tradition. And the scripture on it was Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, which is called, actually 6, 4 through 13, which is called the Shema, or to hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So some of you moms are thinking, well, I don't have a mezuzah. I don't know if I really want one. But I'm going to run down to Hobby Lobby today and get one of those scripture text things for hanging on my wall. Well, sorry, but remember it's Sunday. Hobby Lobby's closed. So is Chick-fil-A. You were thinking about getting both at the same stop with the kids. Well, you're going to have to wait till Monday. But that is kind of our modern-day mezuzah, if you will. Some of us have different ways of remembering certain things in the Scriptures. They're on our wall or on our journal or on our phone screen. Uh, but there's different ways that we can do that and remind ourselves. Some maybe put Post-it notes on the mirror to remind themselves when they're getting ready to turn to the Lord, uh, you know, to reflect on things uh, to set their heart right for the day. But the mezuzah was a tradition of the Jewish people even up till today, and it reminded them that the word of God is sweet as honey. Kiddos, you have a verse on here. I won't tell you where, but it's something about the words of God. And here's what that verse says. How sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Did you find it? Fill in the blanks if you did. 
Well, I have a little girl who was a cubby last year. How many of you kids go to Awana and memorize God's word and hear it taught to you every week? My little cubby reminds me that she's not a cubby anymore. She's a sparky. <laughs> so my little cubby's been memorizing um, this next verse in Deuteronomy for the last four years. I would say when she's two or three, she started to kind of say it. But in the last couple of years, since she's four, she's had this memorized. I even made a little song for it for her to remember this one particularly. But um, this is the scripture. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all heart, all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise in the morning. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So you see, they had a lot of traditions to remind themselves. I mean, the hand, you're using it all day. The, over your eyes, it's hanging you know, over the frontlets of your eyes on your doorposts. And you talk about it in every opportunity that you can. Finding ways to bring in God's word in a life-giving way is so important as a family. To consistently go back to the word of God time and time again. There's so many times that we just strive to try to bring order to our family. But if we just pause and we bring in the principles of the scripture in the moment, along with a little authenticity for mom and dad about how we're learning how to live out the scriptures and memorize the scriptures and be consistent in the scriptures. But the people of Israel had this thing down with lots of traditions, as you can see. But the main point of the whole thing is that there's a lot of all and wholehearted and everything language in the scriptures. God wants Every minute, every item that we do, everything we engage in, our entertainment, our finances, our words, our relationships, he wants our all. And the word of God is what works mightily in us to bring us in alignment with walking in his will in that way. So this is an awesome opportunity to train our children in the ways of God. And you know what's funny about it is it's so simple Loving God with all your heart. That's how we keep his words. That's how we keep his commands. It's to love him with everything. But what's so profound about it is that it gets into every corner of our life, like I said. And the thing is, God won't rest until he has everything from us. And he wants every corner of our life. So when he's saying, love me with all your heart, he means with all your heart. He means with everything. So it's as profound as God only in everything always. God only in everything always. That's how we're to live our life. That's what it meant when it said the Lord is one. He's in everything. We get to have him in everything. So this is what it means beyond just the statement of the mission statement to love, to live, and serve like Jesus in all that we do. If you break that down, you keep thinking about what it means to love Jesus, to live like Jesus, and to serve like Jesus. I know for me, anger, impatience, and different things kind of get in the way, and I realize 
I'm forgetting that I'm supposed to love and live and serve like Jesus. And you get that little prick from the Holy Spirit, and he says, hey, remember, it's not about you. It's okay. Relax. Just serve. Just point them to Jesus. And this is what it means to love and to live and serve like Jesus. Kids, I have a song that I learned when I was your age. And it went a little bit like this, a little something like this. Input, output. What goes in is what comes out. Input, output. What goes in is what comes out. Whatever we put into our eyes and our ears and into our, out of our, what comes out of our mouth has to do with knowing God's word and what he calls us to do. He says, love your brother and sister. Obey and honor your mom and dad. Do your chores. Go to sleep when it's time to go to sleep. Brush your teeth. All those things are pleasing to God. And God's word tells us to do that and how to do that. What goes in is what comes out. Adults, we know it's the same for us. It's no different. What goes in is what comes out. We have a challenge to consider how to rebudget our entertainment and luxury, right? We've got a ton of entertainment and lots of luxury that we tend to live in. And serving calls us to cut out some of our luxury and cut out some of our entertainment, to have time for the fatherless, to have time to disciple others, to have time to train our children, to have time to connect with our spouse in a more heart-level way. We need to rebudget our time. And here is the thing. All Scripture is God-breathed or breathed out by God. In our text, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, we see those very words. It's breathed out by God. It's literally from God's mouth. How many of you kids can find that little birthday party blower in your bag? Now, we plan for these to be quiet, but the muzzles came out. So, guard your ears if sharp noises bother you. But kiddos, what happens when you breathe into those things? Whoa! That is so cool, or maybe uncool. That is so fun. That is so fun. Wow. Okay, one more time, everybody together. Three, two, one. All right. Now, carefully put those things to the side. Don't let anybody else touch them or put them in their mouth. All right, here we go. So, God breathes out his word, and it's living and active, and it gets into our life, and it does something. There's an effect when God's word is spoken. It breathes out every word that comes out. And it was put another way in Deuteronomy chapter 8, where God, um, Moses, commemorates the wanderings in the wilderness and says, and you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. That's patience. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. That he might make known that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord 
that to know that man does not live by bread alone, to experience the desperation and the need. In the same way we understand when we're hungry, we need food, all the more we are desperate for every word from the mouth of God. We need the scriptures. So this challenge to us is to take in these words and understand that they equip us for everything we need. They equip us for everything that we need. They have a high value. As we saw, the scriptures are profitable for every way to teach, train, and correct us. And we need correction. God is finding out with us what's in our heart if we'll keep his commands. And this is why we need to read the word of God and rearrange our budgets, our time, our money, and entertainment and luxury. Investing in the next generation. So it's important to understand one last thought about the context of the scripture in 2 Timothy. It's urgent that we understand that what comes right on the heels of Timothy saying that, the, or Paul saying to Timothy, the word of God is able to equip, is that we're to preach the word in season and out, convenient or inconvenient, and not get swayed in light of his coming kingdom and his appearing. Don't let people convince you to tickle their ears, Timothy, but preach the truth. There's an urgency in our day. Jesus is going to split the sky. He's going to come on the clouds very soon. This is not a fairy tale. This is not a far-off thing that they've always believed. We don't want to be those that say, well, every generation has believed, and then make that cut away at our zeal of expecting him, an earnest expectation that he is coming soon. He did say we would see the signs, and we're seeing a whole lot of them. Yes, every generation could say they saw signs, but we know we're definitely a day closer. And that makes it all the more urgent. John called it in 1 John, the last hour. If you picture grains in an hourglass going down, we're ticking down to the end. It is more urgent than it's ever been that our children know the word of God and that our families are closely knit in the word of God. So I want to encourage and exhort individuals, families, fathers, those who are mentoring the fatherless, Today is the day. We need to be alert. We need to be awake. It's time to invest our time in kingdom purposes and start losing our life in a, in a more profound way in this age. Jesus said, lose your life and you'll find it. I encourage you to find ways to invest through the word of God this year and not take it lightly. Uh, I'm praying that God awakens us to the urgency of this. Uh, and a reminder, of course, there will be this opportunity. This is a good way to kind of get yourself into the word in a consistent pattern. The encouragement of others doing the same thing can go a long way. So I encourage you to grab this, grab the app, start an accountability group, and start going after this thing till Easter. So we're going to pray, and the worship team is going to lead us back into a place of singing and worship. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now humbly, and we recognize our desperate need for you. More than the dinner that we're hungry for, we need the lunch, I should say. I'm such a Minnesotan. We need your word. We need your word, God. And it satisfies and it equips us. So God, open our eyes and open our hearts to receive the challenge and the encouragement of your word. And may this year be a year we remember 
That was the year I went deep in the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen.